around a table and get to know each other on a deeper level. And God, I just pray um, that it would be your words that I would share tonight. It would be your heart and that people would be open um, to hearing and seeing you in an intimate way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have a question for you. Um, can you remember the first time that you sinned? Can you remember the first time you sinned? If I um, had a picture right now, I would show you a picture of me as a little tiny toddler um, sitting next to my sister, and I'm probably crying or she's crying. And what is for certain is that one of us sinned against the other. Like, that is, that is for certain. And that was the majority of our childhood on up into adulthood. It was just a matter of which one did it and how did the other one respond in that situation. But I don't want to share about my sister tonight. I want to share about myself. And I can assure you, from the time that I was little, I can remember using my words to manipulate. Maybe play my mom against my dad or vice versa. I would use my words to get what I wanted. Maybe I would tell a lie to get out of something. I'm sure I would say um, absolutely horrible things to my sister when we fought or behind my sister's back when she wasn't in the room. As I got older, I would grow in my insecurities and therefore I would grow in my ability to sin. I would learn to depend on drinking too much to feel like I was fun to be around and that I was attractive. You see, getting a good buzz on meant that I certainly fit in better than when I didn't have a good buzz on. I would eventually marry and I would have children and I would be really good at spending way beyond our means and I would even hide it at different times. I would lie about it sometimes and I certainly still struggled with my temper and with my words and my kids and my husband were always fair game for those situations. Anybody feeling uncomfortable yet? <laughs> I'm sure some of you are thinking, Crystal, would you please stop? Why are you telling us all of these things? And I have a reason I'm telling you all of these things. Because I remember. I remember the sin 100%. And I remember the struggle. And I remember being sick to my stomach as I would go to bed at night. I remember the shame and the guilt that would flood my body and my mind. And what I remember most is struggling through it alone, all by myself. Hiding, pretending, telling everybody life's good. I'm great. My family's amazing. My marriage is perfect. I mean, we do that, don't we? We figure that, you know what, me and Jesus will work it out when I'm alone in my house by myself. But in Galatians 6, 2, it's really clear. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. 
You see, God calls us, that's you and I, to share each other's burdens in this life. And one way we do that is by creating a safe environment for everyone to lay their sin and struggle on the table. The church family is meant to be a place where we can openly confess our faults and our weaknesses and know that our brothers and sisters, that's you guys, will be patient with us, forgive us, and pray for us. If it's the abundant life of Jesus that you're after, then confession is part of the deal, period. You see, culture tells us that there's a profound sense of denial about sins and struggles, and that it's best to keep our issues in private and to keep up our appearances in public. But as humans, our deepest desire is to be fully known and fully loved, and the denial of sin and struggles in our life and the confession of it keeps us from both those things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, he who is alone with his sin is entirely alone. Entirely alone. And you guys, there's no freedom in isolation. In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you know that word healed is the same word that is used in the story of when the leper is healed? That means that when we confess, that's where we can be healed. Listen, you guys, confession is not a failure. Do not believe that lie. And listen, I'm going to hit the word sin a lot today, but before you think, oh, I don't know if that's me, remember, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But not only that, I'm talking about struggles. I'm talking about maybe your marriage isn't so great right now. Maybe your kids aren't so great right now. Maybe work is really horrible. Maybe you feel extremely lonely. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe your anxiety is crippling. These are struggles, friends, and it's important to confess them. The lie that plagues the church is that as I grow in spiritual maturity, I confess less and less. But the death and resurrection of Jesus shows us confession is actually our victory cry. We must learn to run to confession with everything we have and fear keeping up appearances. A mature church community is not a community who doesn't need to confess. It is not a church without sin. It is a church without secrets. Amen? Amen. It is a church who is unafraid to confess. You see, when we come in and out of God's presence with each other on a Sunday night or on a Saturday morning at Men's Second Cup or on a Monday at Bible study, and we keep up appearances, what we are actually saying to each other is God's grace is not enough. It's not enough for this. It's not enough for my situation. It's not enough for me. I better figure this out on my own with Jesus. We got this. But listen, the reward of confession is the parts of our lives that we want to hide or edit become the parts we tell forever and ever. 
When you think of the story of the woman that was caught in adultery and thrown at Jesus' feet, and he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is a story she would shout from the rooftops, everybody. What she once wanted to be a secret that probably made her sick every day became the story that she couldn't tell enough because that's what God does. He repurposes our lives when we let him. The terrifying moment of confession where we put the truth of ourselves before God and each other is the place where true victory comes. It is a triumph. It is a freedom because you know what? We get to be our full selves. We get to be our full selves. Because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, our greatest failures become our greatest victories. Because there is no freedom in isolation. In John 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what does it mean to walk in the light? It means that we name our vulnerabilities, and we have the opportunity to create beauty and goodness in the world by saying, I'm afraid, but I'm going to share with you. I'm going to put myself out there. Because you guys, from the beginning of time, we've wanted to cover and hide ourselves. Isn't that true? You look at the Garden of Eden. They immediately covered up and hid. That is what our instinct is. But when I get fully open and transparent, do you know what happens? Someone's hand goes up and says, me too. Me too. I'm having a hard time as well. So my vulnerability creates a trigger where other people get to be free and healed as well. But we have to create this culture. We can't expect it to just happen. We have to be willing. And we have spaces for this, you guys. We have Men's Second Cup. We have Bible study. We have Wednesday coffee. We have Wednesday night prayer. We have Friday morning prayer. And do you know how I know we're not doing this already? We had two people go to the Pure Desires class. Two people. The world's stats tell us that that should have been 60% of the people that attend church. So something's missing. And that something is we're not fully opening up and saying, I could use some help. I could use some accountability. I could use having someone beside me during this time. I can't go it alone anymore. God's not an editor. He's not shining up this picture of me that is and going, okay, Crystal, that's, that's finally presentable for the world. He's a redeemer, he's a restorer, and he's in the business of taking each life and healing one broken piece at a time. And that is the terrifying gift of confession, you guys. That is the terrifying gift. The greatest news is Jesus is in the middle 
with us. So whenever we open up to someone, he's at the table with us. He's sharing in our suffering. He's sharing in our struggle. That's who he is. In Hebrews, it says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is how Jesus deals with our sin. He suffers with us. We think we're closest to God when we feel like our life is perfect and on track and we're doing good. But the truth is, we're closest to him in the middle of our struggle. He's like a magnet. He can't stay away. He's got to be near. We're going to go ahead and go in to our discussion questions. And when we're um, wrapping up with those, the worship team's going to come up. And we're going to do a little worship. And at the, toward the end of worship, we're going to end by taking communion together. And that is the perfect way to wrap up a discussion about what it means to be fully known and fully loved in front of each other. Amen.